Welcome back, everybody. We are on... Dude, I forget. What episode is this? I think it is five. Holy hell, it's five. Welcome back to episode five. That's not the intro I planned, but honestly, it might be better than the one I did have planned. Um, Welcome back to episode five. Uh, We are here on the last week of the 151 meta. Just finished Toronto Regionals. Was I had a blast this weekend. I don't know about you, Karen. Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, my tournament didn't go as well as I hoped, but honestly, I, just, I hosted a lot of people uh, at my place. Just love seeing all the all my friends from all over. And I had so many people come up to me saying that they'd been enjoying the YouTube, enjoying the podcast. So that was just like so great to see. Like I had a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah same here. I was, I was really surprised and like pleasantly surprised. I know we talked about this. I was surprised that so many people were listening to this. And uh, I had a couple like random opponents that'd just be sitting down and they'd be like a couple tables down for me. And they're like, hey man, love the content. And I'm like, I create content? Like since when? And then I realized we do this every week. I was like, oh, yeah, I do create content. Yeah, so I had, people uh, are uh, enjoying it. Good. Yeah, That's I had good. a couple opponents too. They're like, oh, I watched your YouTube video. Like I play against one guy playing Champau, and he's like, oh, I'm literally playing your list from the video. So <laughs> it was actually easy for me to play around around him because I didn't have to worry about any uh, surprise cards. But yeah, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like it's still kind of new to us as well, right? Like we're not used to being these guys yet. It's not really... Uh something we we grew up with because we we did this game for like over 10 years without uh any trace on the internet really and then uh now we're here so it's uh it's a new world for us yeah it's fun yeah having a good time uh okay let's move on to uh let's just let's just recap what happened last weekend uh obviously our hometown regionals we really wanted to do well a lot of canadians wanted to do well and actually most canadians did not do well unfortunately that's why um, we're showing in a long time yeah that was uh that was rough you and i included we just did not have a good day um but it, it happens in this game you you get some mulligans you you move on whatever but it's weird it's weird how um we've been dominating almost all of the american regionals in terms of canadians and then our home home regionals we uh don't do too well at yeah, I guess it was, uh, I don't know if karma is the right word, but it's just ironic. It kind of felt like they were due. Uh, so we'll just say that we were being nice, like polite Canadians, letting the Americans come and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we are, man. We're good hosts. <laughs> Make sure they have a good time. Uh, yeah, like I think there was a lot of us who, who had high expectations going into the weekend. But as you know, like with this meta especially, and... and there will always be complaints about a meta game. There's always some sort of some sort of thing that people don't like that people will complain about. Um, right now, obviously, Battle VIP passes a scapegoat, but you know with this meta game, if if you don't start the first couple turns hot, it doesn't matter how good of a player you are, or how good your deck choice is, you're just gonna get ran over, and that's just the reality of the format. So, some weeks you're gonna go off, some weeks you're not gonna go off, and it's just one of those weeks. Yeah, I mean, I played. Um, I actually played a deck I wasn't. I was surprised I picked. I played Gardevoir. Uh, I played a 1-1 Espeon VMAX. I just, Rowan convinced me to play it. And I started really well. I was 4-0-2. Like, I was beating Lost Box. Like, I'm like, oh, this is going great. Uh, then kind of the wheels kind of fell off. A lot of a lot of bricks. Because I did cut some consistency to fit that in. Um, but yeah, like, I wanted to play Chen Pao. And, like, I just, I didn't think the meta was right for it. Like, I know 2 made top 8, but I still don't think the meta was right for it. Like, uh, you saw, I saw it had, like, a 12% day 1 share. And it only had 6% day 2. So it didn't convert well. And, like, the two decks I thought that were going to be the most popular were Lost Box and Colorless Lugia, both bad matchups. And they were basically the two most popular decks. So I don't really regret not playing Chen Pao, but, um, yeah, I definitely felt a bit a bit sad seeing seeing two of them make top eight, and I wasn't one of the one playing them. Yeah, it feels bad, eh? Um, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I thought that, like, 
I thought Chin Pao obviously is always a good choice for for especially a guy like you who who knows how to play the deck so well. But I did, I also agree with you in the sense that I didn't think it was the right meta for it. Um, on the flip side, I played Turbo. Um, I played Turbo with two Bravery Germs. I know a couple of them did did quite well. Um, our build, I don't know what it was with it. Like it just couldn't really get off the ground. I I didn't have a great day either. I finished out just whiffing points. So. It was, uh, yeah, it wasn't a great day either, and and most of the losses, unfortunately, were due to just, like, draw pass or, like, just not having cards I can play or no Colorus, whatever it was. Um, very few games came down to me, like, having a say in it, which was which was honestly really unfortunate. Like, the games I lost, I didn't really have a say in, um, but that, that's just kind of how the game goes. Um, we've been there. We've done that. Uh, I thought Turbo was a great choice going into the weekend. I still would play Turbo if I was able to do it again. I thought it, it just it, it's good into just about everything. You you take fifty fifties into a lot of things, and you have a lot of maneuverability, a lot of versatility in what you do and, and what you tech for. So the bravery charms there, obviously, to give you a little bit more health into uh, into Maridon, into Colorless Lugia, even into Zard. It was uh, they were really good cards in testing, but in actuality, I didn't actually use them to their full effect. I don't even think once. Uh, it didn't help that my first six rounds were uh, four Lost Box, two Gardevoir, so <laughs> I didn't even take like a multi-prize knockout to like round seven. But uh, yeah, in theory, I I stick with what I what I played. I, I really like the idea. Shout out to Camille, our boy. He uh, put me on the list there, and, and and I think it's still a good list. And we saw a couple of them do well. I know. Um, I think there was one in top eight actually. Yeah, there was. Well. Um, yeah. Yes. So it's nothing on the list. It's just uh, like you said with Gardevoir as well. Like you cut a couple consistency cards. I also got a couple of cons- consistency cards, and we got burned, and that's life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like that's just how it is. Like, I lost one round where I, my opponent got like turn two yoga loop, and I was like, all right, like <laughs> I yeah, can't really do better, much. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I lost another round where it was just like I was playing against a lost box deck, and it's like I, I had like my board was a little damaged, and like I played like Iono for six, and then I did like Refinement twice, I did Shining Arcana once, I literally just had to draw Ultra Ball or the Espeon VMAX, and, like the game was done, I just didn't get it, so that's just how it goes, uh, it just wasn't my tournament, it wasn't our tournament, so just gonna throw it away, just move on to LAIC now. Yeah, just wipe the slate, man, like I'm, I'm in the same boat, like this, the start of the season has been the worst of my life for me, personally, um, but it's one of those things where you just gotta wipe the slate and move on, like it is what it is stuff happens we played in this game for a long enough time to know that like sometimes you're gonna run hot sometimes you can run that and this is also why um i think in our first episode we touched on this a lot where a lot of people were like rushing league cups and rushing challenges and stuff but this is why like i'm still not really worried because i know that at any point anybody can go off like you can just go to six straight league cups and place it all six and you're done for the year right like you just need to find a format that really works with you and, and you find a deck that you enjoy that you're good with and right now i don't really feel like i have that deck i know you kind of do with pal but it's like a love-hate relationship you gotta kind of find that deck that speaks to you that you're good with and i think that's when people are going to go off so i think having 11 months effectively to get those six finishes is, is honestly a really positive thing for most of us here because there's a lot of good players right now and i, I mean a lot that are just struggling that are um not playing to where they want to be and I think a lot of that will change, obviously, with the new format. It's going to be a breath of fresh air. Um, but I think it, a lot of it has to do with what the format is and how diverse it is and how... And, and one of my buddies is a big advocate of this. He says, just pick a de- one deck and one-trick it. And the guys who are one-tricking decks are consistently doing the best. So there's definitely some merit to that. But I think with the meta moving on, uh, we won't spend too much time kind of 
diving into what this 151 meta looks like, but do you want to go over the top eight real quick? Yeah, we can go real quick. Like, obviously, Maridon won, which, again, I don't really... I'm a Maridon hater, but... I mean, JW, this is the second time in top cut, so he's obviously doing well. And I was just looking at who he played, like... Uh, he was beating like a lot of great players. I saw here he beat Grant Manley. He, uh, he beat James Cox on Gardevoir. He beat Reagan. He beat Zach. Um, tied Aiden Coos. So yeah, lots of good players that he went through. So uh, I can't claim that he didn't have a hard run. So yeah, I guess it's just like Judge Path is super strong. His deck is consistent. And he obviously knows how to play the deck very well. So that was that was interesting. Um, yeah. other, other than that, the only other surprise in Top Cut, I think, was the Lost Gudra. Um I don't think Lost Gudra is that good. Uh, I just looked at his matchups. He played against like a lot of Lost Mirror, so I think that's a good matchup for him. Like if I'm just counting here, he played one, two, three, four. He played seven Lost Zone decks, so you can kind of see how he how he did well there. Um, but yeah, it's cool just seeing that you can play whatever. Yeah, sorry, I just want to jump in there specifically as well. Like with him, I saw the way he played on stream, and and it is very very evident that he knows that deck in and out. And he knew exactly what he was doing in the Lost Zone matchup. I just saw saw him playing on stream against my buddy Dan, and uh, well, our buddy Dan, and I, like just the way he was maneuvering the whole the whole matchup, you could tell he'd done it like hundreds of times. So honestly, that was pretty cool. And I agree with you. I do not think Gudra is a top tier deck, but I think when someone is that good with any variant, they can do well with it. Yeah, hundred percent. And like also like he just hit great matchups, um, which makes sense. Like, uh, yeah. like even like for example, like Azul's group played Charizard, which I was a bit surprised. Like I looked at Azul's matchups, and I'm like, yeah, he was like layered with Lugia, and he only faced like one Chen Pao. So, uh, yeah, yeah. If you're hitting like the right matchups, you're you're gonna do well. Yeah, exactly. And then I was looking at the, even the uh, I was looking at JW's list, which is really interesting to me. And I like, I'm not a Maridon connoisseur by any stretch of the imagination. Neither are you. We're both passionate, outgoing haters. But <laughs> I saw he played 13 Lightnings, and that that's like really really interesting to me because well, they normally play 14, them, right? 14 or 15 um just because you're trying to get your max value out of your generators and and there's a lot of times where if you whiff generator you just kind of lose so the fact he played 13 and won regionals is actually pretty crazy so that goes to show even more and i'm not i'm not saying he got lucky but that just goes to show that you have to get a little bit fortunate to do well at any of these events yeah, you have to run hot. Like, that was, like, my reasoning. Like, I put, like, Espeon on my Gardevoir deck. I'm like, oh, like, I think Lost Zone's going to be super popular. Like, if I run hot and, like, I hit those matchups, like, I'm going to have a good day. So, I'm sure he put... I, I know he plays Mew EX, so maybe, like, that was what he cut to fit in the Mew EX, so... And I think it mm-hmm. got good use for him, so... Uh, yeah, I think it makes sense. And then the only other interesting deck, it got ninth, but Lobella had a record to bubble into cut. He was playing that Arceus, Duraludon, Mawile deck. Yep, um, yep. He had a very unfortunate tie against Lugia in the last round because he prized his yeah. but <laughs> uh, Yeah, I thought that was cool, just seeing. Uh, I guess I guess I'd call it a rogue deck, kind of still still hanging in there, doing well. Arceus will never die, man. It'll never die. And I and I thought about Dura as well um, prior to the tournament. Like it just it just seems good. Like the the card itself just seems good. But I saw that build. I forget who played it. I think it was Brayden uh, Alfred. It was Brayden, yes. Uh, he got ninth as well at the last yeah. regionals. So that build's been around. It's been kicking. It, it's yet to top eight, I don't think. That, yeah, I don't think it has, but, but it obviously was good. So It's been around. Yeah. It's been there. So that, that was interesting as well. Um, the, I see two POWs in top eight. There's a Lugia, Charizard, Guardi, like just your normal normal culprits at this point. And, and to be honest, like I can speak for myself. I think this format is quite healthy, but I'm, I'm happy to see it go. Like, I'm happy to see some new faces going on. Uh, which we can dive into in a second, but there, there are some cool cards coming out in this new set that are really going to shake everything that we know. 
Yeah, let's pivot to Paradox Rift here. I think it's probably, if I had to guess, it's going to be the most meta-warping set we've had maybe ever yep. or in a long time. I mean, the set's just massive. There's like, I think there's like 200-something new cards. Like all the, not all, but almost all the two prizes are very interesting. Uh, the item mm-hmm. cards are really good. The tool cards are really good. Uh, the supporters are really good. And just, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit overwhelmed just because uh, LAIC is basically in like two weeks. And basically, I think most people are just starting their testing now. So there's tons of ideas I have, tons of things I need to test, uh, but not enough time to test them all. So uh, yeah. let's maybe let's start like, what are your maybe like thoughts on how some of the current decks are going to change? Like what type of decks do you think are going to, from this format, are going to stay in the meta? And like, which ones do you think are going to kind of fall off a bit? Yeah, and like like you said, we have two weeks to figure this out, which is kind of crazy. I haven't even told my parents we went to Brazil yet. Oops. Um, <laughs> but like we have two weeks to kind of figure this out. And I started my testing yesterday with a couple of my buddies. Um, and the only thing we started with was uh, we tried out like an early list of Roaring Moon, which is obviously, I think, the most hyped card coming out in this set mm-hmm. our, other than our boy Iron Hands. And uh, it seems good. It seems fast. Uh, there's a lot to be said about that that build specifically that we used. We used four cross switchers, but we didn't have uh, Moltres or any of that jazz or Darkrai. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like you said, uh, there's a lot of cards that are going to come out that are going to warp what the meta is, and I think it's going to change a lot. But I also think more is going to stay the same than what people think. Um, I know Iron Hands coming out kind of is deterring people off of Lost Box, off of the Comfy Engine. But uh, I, I I think it's going to be around, man. I think Tina is better than people think. And Countercatcher helps it a lot. There's a lot of things going for it. But uh, the, the fact that Iron Hands is not as splashable as I think we initially thought is going to help decks like that. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised to see like a Guard of War or two like, still peeking their heads out. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot changing. I think Valiant's really good. I really like Iron Valiant personally. And I think uh, Roaring Moon is really good, but I haven't seen the direct applications for Iron Hands yet. Like I was playing POW yesterday with with Iron Hands, and uh, it felt difficult to pull off because if you're playing one Lightning, finding it's really difficult. Yeah, yeah. But then, the yeah, and then more so like if you're trying to take a two prize knockout, and especially in the matchup we're playing with like Roaring Moon, I guess it's not really that relevant. But um, you need it on that one turn, so you need the Nest Ball because you can't irritate for it. And then you also need to, uh, you normally need crossfishers as well. So there's a lot of pieces you need, especially in POW. But that seems to be the deck gets most uh, splashed yeah. into. I mean, not in Maradon, but yeah, I, I, uh, I'm sure, you, <clears throat> my apologies, I'm sure you saw on uh, Ethan Hegster's <laughs> Twitter that they had the City Leagues in Japan, which is kind of like League Cups for, for them. Uh, and Giratina was the most successful deck. Uh, he posted a list, like you were saying, the counter catchers were really powerful. I think Charizard X was the second most popular deck or performing deck. Uh, and then it was Roaring Moon, kind of he put in that tier one. Um, and then also, I think Mew Max is still doing well. Maradon is still doing well. Chen Pao is still doing well. And then I think kind of around at the bottom there, he had in the tier three, he had Lugia and Gardevoir. So I think a lot of current meta decks kind of hinge on Iron Hand's place in the meta, like you are saying. Gardevoir, I think, is going to have a very tough time with hands. Uh, Lugia is, it can play hands itself. Uh, but it's also a little dangerous because that deck uses Luminion. So if you have a Luminion, that's just three prizes sitting down. Um, there's one other deck that I've been, I've been thinking about uh, exploring that I don't know if I'd ever say it was meta, uh, but I think Zoroark is actually in an interesting spot now. Um, I just think there's a lot of room for one prize decks to do well. Um, and I was even thinking you can play that new Toad Scroll uh, to counter Chen Pao Iron Hands, since that's obviously oh, yeah. the, the worst part about 
things work. So uh, I haven't tested it. Obviously, this is all theory, but I think that's another old deck that uh, I think could make a comeback. Because uh, it's gaining stuff like Jirachi as well, if you want to play that. Since I know Lost Box has always been a tough matchup for that deck. So uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think a lot of a lot of decks do have answers to Iron Hands. Um, or you, honestly, like if you want, you can even just like say whatever. Like I'll take a slightly bad matchup to Iron Hands. I don't think you. I think the initial results we've seen is that like Iron Hands isn't going to be in every single deck. Yeah, and like especially with these decks that we're speaking of Iron Hands like in. So like you're talking about Lugia, you're talking about Chen Pao. These aren't decks that can recycle Iron Hands. So. If you can trade two for two, you're typically actually just fine. Because if an Iron Hands randomly pops out against a Zorark deck and takes two prizes, as long as you can respond, you're fine. Because they can't recycle this Iron Hands anyways. But yeah, I like the idea of Zorark. I just don't think that... Well, I, I shouldn't say I don't think. I just don't know if it has the uh, the ability to keep streaming Zoraks the, the same way that like Lost Box does or something. Because that's always been yeah. the thing that kind of holds it back. You end up missing like one turn because you can't find a DTE or you can't find a Zorark and the whole deck kind of crumbles, but I agree with you. I'd love to see that deck do well. I think yeah. that'd be really cool. Yeah, another old card that I saw won one of the City Leagues was Cloth with Hasuian Electrode V. I don't know if you saw that. What the hell is that? I gotta uh, search that out. Cloth does like 30 damage, and if it has a special condition on it, I think it does 220. Okay. Um, and then Hasuian Electrode V, its attack is free. Like, it costs zero energy, and it does 100 damage for each special condition on it. They're playing um, <laughs> oh, the, yeah. brute, the new Brute Bonnet. Uh, its abilities, like if it has the, a tool on it, you can make both actives poisoned. Yep. Um, and then, I don't know, I guess you play the Sneasler. Uh, and then, like, Cloth is a one prize attacking for big damage. I guess Electrode hits for big damage. So, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I don't know how good this is, but <laughs> you have Cloth to hit Lightning Tice for weakness, and you have Electrode to hit Charizard X for weakness. So, maybe <laughs> there's potential. I'm just like. I'm like looking at this card. I'm like, there's no way this is not bad. Like, no, I know this has to be bad. I mean, but like, I think that just speaks to Paradox Rift. It's like there's so many cards and like so many new strategies that are enabled. That like, you can probably play like whatever you want and like see some yeah some type of success. Dude, I was looking the one that's really intriguing me, and like this is because I'm a fanboy of the Pokemon, but I really want Goldengo to be good. Um, yeah. I never enjoyed Blounds like when it was out. I was never really a Blounds kind of guy. It always felt kind of brain dead to me, but. I don't know. I love Goldengo. I think the Pokemon is so jokes. So, like, I really want this deck to be good. But I, I don't know if it really can be because you have your four superior energy retrievals, but once you go through those, what are you doing? Yeah, I think just the other thing is with that card, um, you're, like, have a two-prizer is your only attacker. Like, I feel like I'd really want to find a way to, like, work in a one-prizer. Like, I mean, you can play... So there is second. one. There is one, actually. There's uh, the Scizor. Have you seen yeah, it? You can work, yeah, I've seen people working in Scizor, but then I'm playing like a separate stage one line in my deck, which feels kind of meh. Um, yeah. I mean, you can even fit in stuff like Radiant Charizard if you want, just since like you can discard any type of energy with Goldengo. Um, I actually think that's a card that is extremely strong in this meta, the Radiant Charizard. Uh, we're going to see mm -hmm. like Chen Pao see play, Goldengo see play, Mirada's looking to see play, Roaring Moon's going to see play. Like all these big basic uh, EXs and Vs. Uh, and they all get knocked out by Radiant Charizard. So I think that's a, yep. if that's a card that I really want to find a way to, to work into a lot of strategies, like obviously Charizard EX can just play it, but maybe a deck like Goldango, if you want to play like a couple flyer, throw a Charizard in there. Just a way at the end of the game where you can like have a, a one-shot attacker without having to put a two-prizer on your board, I think is, is going to be super, super powerful. Yeah, and that's like kind of my argument for Gardevoir as well, and I think that's why Gardevoir I think will be better than people think. It's like there's so much just like food 
out there for Gardevoir, <laughs> where you're just like, you're looking at it, you're like, okay, one reversal and one Arcana, like, and I'm knocking this out, <laughs> whatever it is, right? Like, it seems pretty good. Yeah. Um, I understand hands really nerfs, nerfs Gardevoir, but if there's a way where Gardevoir can kind of, I don't know, maybe shift to, like, having a couple more multi-prize attackers, maybe even one more. I think the deck could really be good. Like, even if you teched in a Valiant. Like, you you would tech in a Valiant. Why not, right? You'd ping for 20, and then if you're against Iron Hands, you're just hitting for 200. Or, I guess that's not a knockout, is it? But um, you use Zation there, then if you have to recycle and you use Valiant, or whatever. Whatever the the uh, combination is, I think if Gardevoir shifts to a more two-prizer base not maybe just one extra one i think there's a chance that i can survive iron hands yeah maybe um i'm not sure to be honest like gardevoir is just in a weird spot like it's it's obviously solid like i think maybe this is another part i want to talk about is like you can work in the tm evolution um because yep. i think that that's a card that a lot of these evolution decks are going to try and look to look to abuse and just from my initial thoughts, like I think a great card that it's kind of seen some play before, but not a lot is uh, is the Klefki. Like if you can get Klefki in your active and put the evolution tool on it, I think it'll do a lot to help slow down a lot of these like mega aggro decks while giving the evolution decks a chance to set up. So that's definitely a, a combination I'm going to be testing out in, in different decks. And I think that might be a way for uh, these evolution decks to kind of keep up with, with all the speed that we're going to see. Yeah, I agree. And I think, well, Klefki's also really just good in general because you're yeah. blocking out Valiant, you're blocking out a lot of a lot of other, like, even double prize Pokemon. And I agree with you. I think those TMs are insane. And it just goes to show, like, we've been talking about this set for, like, 10 minutes now, and we still haven't even, like, scratched the surface. I do think, I agree with you, that I think it will be one of the most, like, meta-shifting sets ever. The only other one I can think of right now is... Uh, either Legends Awakened or Triumphant. Those are both, like, insanely meta-warping de- uh, sets. Uh, and, I was like, going to say Phantom Forces is the one I think is the biggest I can remember. Phantom Forces. What was in that? Gengar, Manectra? That was, like, Verseeker, Night March. Uh, Trevenant as well? No, Trevenant wasn't in that. Uh, Battle Compressor was in that set. Um, oh, my God. Manectric, Mega Manectric was in that set. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting so many. I just remember that card had, like, an insane amount. Like, Spirit Links were in that set. Um, oh, Crobat was in that set. Wobbuffet was in that set. Uh, yeah, you might be right, actually. I think, no, Florgus, Aegislash EX, Bronzong, Dalga EX, Malamar EX, Enhanced Hammer, Dimension Valley, AZ, uh, oh, the Headringer, Robo Substitute, Target Whistle, uh, Zerosic. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, that was insane, I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's up there, too. I just remember uh, Triumphant coming out, and it just changed everything. So that's like, that's my cornerstone piece of like what the most meta shifting set was. But I understand the argument for Phantom Forces. I think they're both kind of up there. And but I yeah. think this like this set, man, especially with um with how the meta game is right now. So, and and this is a another conversation we we had last week, right? Where we're like the the uh, the format is so slow, man. It's just everything just feels slow. It feels like everybody's tying at like an alarming rate. This is that set that's here to kind of correct it. And I think. Credit to CPCI, whoever's designing these cards. They saw the issue. They definitely look at the data, obviously, and they solved it. This is going to bring up the meta pretty fast. It's gonna. I'm not going to say it's going to be super fast, but it definitely makes the meta faster. You have a lot of decks that can attack turn one, a lot of big basics, um, and there's a lot of hate towards uh, one prize decks that were kind of taking us to time every round, which 
personally I don't like, and I know I don't think you like either, but it's going to make the game faster. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give them credit yet, since I think a lot of these cards do have a little bit of problematic game design. Um, I do think that stuff like Iron Hands, like we talked about last week, like it has the chance to like really push a lot of decks out of the meta. Roaring Moon has the chance to push a lot of decks out of the meta. But I do agree with you that I think we're we're in store for a faster meta. And I'm going to predict that like, I see our tie rate's probably going to drop down to maybe 10%. Um, but we'll, we'll see, because I think... I don't know, because yeah, like Gardevoir is going down in meta share. Like Lost Box is going down in meta share. Uh, and like it seems like, I don't know, we're seeing like Mew, Chempile, Maradon, Roaring Moon. Like all these fast decks are, are, are going to be, be played. Um, and just another deck that, or a card that I think had a lot of hype that I guess we kind of saw a flop at the City League in Japan. I'm not saying it's bad, it just didn't have a good first weekend, is the Iron Valiant. Um, I didn't really mm-hmm. see that deck have any success. Because I know that deck has been extremely hyped. I personally think the card is super strong. Um, but yeah, it just it seemed like it struggled to to have an impact in the first week here. I think there's a lot to be said, and this is with Roaring Moon, Roaring Moon sorry, as well. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about people just not knowing the ideal 60 yet. And of course, like every single set, we go through this loop where it's like, oh, this is doing well in Japan. This is flopping in Japan. And then at the end of the day, some of these things do veer their heads back out. And I think the which is crazy because there's so many players in Japan. But I think the advancements made by like the Western world when it comes to um, like receiving sets a little bit later and kind of having like base ideas to build off of i think there's a lot of innovation now on this side of the world where um i think sometimes in japan there's this just the format is different the way they play the game is very different there's a lot of like random techs and, and decks are generally less consistent because you're playing bo1 like you're just trying to go off um and i think there's a lot to be said about that as well so i agree with you i think iron valiant is an extremely strong card and i think somebody will crack it eventually it's just a matter of getting to that point do I think the correct play is to play it with Rabstrike Urshifu? I don't know. I'm not 100% sure on, on whether that's the, the right thing to do there. I think Iron Valiant on its own with Zatu is pretty good as well. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, there's there's so many ways you can build the deck. I think I think that card is a more valuable tech than people think. Um, if you're playing something that, that needs a little bit of splashable damage or you're playing Psychic Energies anyways, I think it's a, a splashable tech. Um, I don't think it needs to be its its own like four of deck per se, but cards like that, cards like Garchomp, cards like Skeledurge, cards like Goldango, like you're looking at these cards and you're like, the the last three that I named are, are definitely more fringe than Valiant, but you're looking at all these cards and you're like, these are very good cards in the right meta, and they're also cards that can just be cracked by some guide, like some random Limitless tourney, and it just changes everything. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see how these the Limitless tourneys go, like the late nights. Uh, I think it'll give us a rough idea of what the meta is going to shape up like. Because at the end of the day, like, no one really knows what they're doing with this format. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. like, last year, LAIC was, like, the first set with Silver Tempest, and, like, everyone's, like, just, like, defaulted to Lugia. So uh, it seems like there isn't a default best deck yet. So I think it'll be interesting. So if one of the late nights starts getting dominated by an archetype, then I think we could be in for a meta in LAIC that's very, very similar. Like, everyone just plays what is the consensus best deck but yeah like iron valiant too it's just like uh i think it might even work better as a tech in a lot of decks like i feel like lost box could use it like it's very relevant for stable line math um like an example in mirror it lets you take two prizes very easily if you put two damage on something um but yeah like the 200 is like because the weakness of the deck is you're not gonna one shot any big bulky pokemon um but yeah if you can put the zatu get that into play like 
put some damage, soften things up, you can trade pretty well. But it might just be too slow against the, the Roaring Moon decks, and even against Maridon, I don't think it's that good. So uh, I think the card will eventually see play, but I think it might need a very specific meta for it to, to really take advantage. Yeah, and like recently as well with like the way the sets have kind of been coming out and, and how they all have this one, I don't want to say flagship Pokemon, but they all have this one card that's all like kind of super hyped. So like you had Gardevoir, then you had Chen Pao, then you had Charizard. And sometimes it takes those decks a set or two to really, really blossom and really shine. It, whether it's another card coming out or just people kind of learning how to play it late, I think there's also merit to that. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe come February, come March, something like that, that Valiant really, like, peeks its head out, and it starts to look really good. And I think, like, generally, when you're when you're speaking about day one metas and, and a whole IC tournament, like, not just a regionals, like, we're talking international championships on day one of a set, you're going to see a general consensus, and I think people generally gravitate towards what is thought of as the best deck. So, like, last year was Lugia. Obviously, you did very well with it, but there were a lot of people who didn't do very well with it. So I think generally people just gravitate towards what that best deck is. And if you either, A, think that deck is like S tier like Lugia was and can survive all the hate, then yeah, you go for it. But I think playing the counter to the best deck isn't an awful idea either at those tournaments where you look at what's viewed as maybe like a new tier 2, tier 1.5 kind of deck. People go on runs with those all the time in Day, day Zero metas because nobody really expects it. No one really counters for it. And then you can you can catch a lot of people off guard, and especially if everybody's playing the same uh, variant, it, it really helps with that. But, um, yeah, I agree. I was going to say, especially in Brazil, um, especially in South America where cards are a little bit harder to get. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a little bit less of that than if you saw a day zero meta here in, in, the, in Canada or the States where cards are more readily accessible. I think you'd see a lot of people with new cards, but in Brazil, I, I know you remember last year, like getting hounded for your prize boxes because nobody could just like nobody found cards there. Yeah, I think that's actually a great point. Like I, I was talking to some of the Brazilians last year, and they're basically telling me like Lugia V Star was basically like, triple the price of what you pay for uh, in North America. Mm-hmm. So um, last year I played against like a lot of Mew. I played against a lot of decks that were like in the previous format, since I think a lot of the the locals just played what they've been used to, um, mm-hmm. and then. Day two, like I faced, like I played a lot of international players. I played like five out of six rounds against Lugia. So, and like to your point, like if if the meta kind of centralizes a bit, and you can kind of predict that uh, there's gonna be one popular deck. Like I saw last year, right? Like Sander played his like Evil Tall Control deck, and he like feasted on Lugia. Like he lost to one in mm-hmm. Top Cup, but I think that's more just because of time. Um, like yeah, if you can find uh, like a like a little sneaky tier tier one and a half tier two deck that has some good matchups against the meta, like people aren't probably gonna tech for you. And if you can catch them by surprise, I think I think that'll go well for you. Yeah. And I think this year, LAIC is a lot different from last year. Like, you and I went last year, and we went with a couple guys, and it really felt like we were one of maybe 50 to 100 people that came from, like, outside that region. It was definitely more than that. No, but that's it was way more like. than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely more than that. But this year, I think it's, like, predominantly going to be people from outside the region. So... I think where my mentality of like, oh, people might not have the best deck was definitely relevant last year. I think there'll definitely be a lot more people with access to cards this year. Yeah, I think just from talking to people, everyone just realized like the IC is the best way to get invites. So uh, I do think we'll see a huge influx of international players. I'm just looking at the list now, how many, how many masters there were last year. 
Yeah, there was like 976 Masters last year. Uh, I forget what the cap was this year. I think it was around 1,200. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see it's a lot. It's not high. Yeah, it's not super high, but I do think we're going to see a super high concentration of international players. If I had to guess, it would probably be like 30% international. Um, yeah. And honestly, just looking at the the standings from last year, like honestly, the um, the people who did well, like in the top 16 here, it was uh, it was a lot of international players. There was, I'm just looking at top 32, there's only three Brazilians. So uh, oh, yeah, really? def- yeah, definitely. There's a lot in day two, but near the top, it was just a lot of international players. So. Hold on, I'm just looking at it right now. Like, I think there's legit like 20, like five Lugias in the top 32. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I see it too. Wow. Yeah, that deck was like truly S tier. That's a true S tier deck. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. I think like there's gonna be a lot more international this year than there was last year. Yeah, I think the other thing with like last year with Lugia was like uh, everyone knew the deck was good, but like no one was like hard countering it yet besides Sander. So then, yeah, like, it was just unchecked. <laughs> like, no one had a counter for it. Like, uh, I remember playing against, like, some, like, like Sablezard Lost Box. And I'm like, okay, well, this deck just, like, can't beat Lugia. <laughs> so then we saw that deck kind of, like, fall off. Like, uh, and yeah. then we came, then we had a regional in Toronto the next weekend. And, like, you start seeing stuff like Articuno, like, a huge uptick in control. So, yeah, I think the, the very first tournament of a new set, like, people are less inclined to hard tech for decks just because they're not really sure how popular it's going to be. So... Yeah, I think we might see like an S tier or like a tier one deck do really well, and like it'll kind of shape the meta around it once once we see which deck that is. Or we could just see how it's been like going like our past few few regionals where it's just like a bunch of decks do well, and we have mm-hmm. a more spread out meta. And like looking at this now, like this is insane. Like just looking at the day two meta of last year's LAC is nuts. It almost makes me glad that I lost my win in it because I was playing uh, <laughs> I was playing Lost Box Ray. I would have been absolutely farmed this next day because it's just lugias everywhere that's interesting like i think there's a lot of merit like in looking back at things like this when you're looking to try and like foresee what's going to happen i guess laic perennially will be on a a new set stay zero so it's like it's pretty interesting just to see what people like generally do when this is one of those situations oh 100 yeah um and i'm sure we'll have we have a lot of the thing with the ic's too is like all the strongest players in the world normally go so, I mean, mm-hmm. like, you'll have the Australian group, like, you'll have, like, the European group, like, you'll have all the North American testing groups. So, it's always interesting to see what each group settles on. Because I remember last year at LAIC, like, the Australians played, like, a uh, interesting uh, Lugia list. And then, like, obviously, like, <laughs> the Canadian Lugia list that I played was uh, a little unorthodox <laughs> with the shoes. Uh, yeah. You had to think the some of the European players are playing, like, the four collapse Lugia. So, yeah, even the same archetype. Uh, the very first tournament, like, there's not a settled on, like, best list yet. So, uh, it'll be very different, like, even if it's the same archetype. So, it'll be cool to see. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, and, and even, I, I remember, like, us in our hotel room thinking about, like, what to play or whatever. Like, I don't think we ever envisioned Lugia to be as, like, polarizing as it was. Like, we're like, oh, should we just, like, play Lugia or is it, like, too risky to play on day one? Like, And I, I was just like, nah, like, whatever. I don't, I don't really want to risk that. I'd rather play something I know. But, like holy was this deck hyped a lot of people were playing this deck so maybe we'll see the same thing with roaring moon i don't know like it's not it's not the same set it's not like a similar tier of set either where you have like one archetype coming out like we have multiple archetypes coming out in this set and i think a lot of people might gravitate towards the strongest deck amongst those archetypes but i also think there's going to be a lot of people thinking like us like who are saying how can i counter that top archetype but then i also think 
that maybe three or four of the spots in top eight this year, LAIC will be old decks. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Giratina continue to do well. You know, obviously, we have Chen Pao still kicking around, Maradon still kicking around. Uh, like, yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say maybe like three of the new, three new archetypes are probably going to make top eight, but. I just think a lot of the old archetypes just updated are, are going to do well. Um, it seems like yeah. Charizard X is still in a fine spot. Um, yeah, I was kind of surprised Charizard X did so well just because like Roaring Moon one-shots it and Giratina one-shots it. Those are both the other decks in Tier 1 here on the City League, but I guess it's it's still solid. Well, the thing with Roaring Moon, and, and I really like this card. I, I like the card design. I think it's really balanced, but the thing with Roaring Moon is... When you one-shot that Zardiax, in theory, right? Like, all is well. But you, they come back with a Charmander and just do 30. And you can't do true. anything. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the problem. And, like, when we were testing yesterday with Roaring Moon, I'm going out again after this to, to go test some more games. I'm really enjoying this new format. But when when that happens and they don't have that stadium in play to do 220 and they, they hit themselves for 200, you're not in a good spot. Like, you're one Greninja away from disaster. You're also like a Valiant away from a disaster. Like obviously if you're playing against Valiant, you're probably not using that attack. But I think there's a lot more to be said about doing 200 to yourself than what people are talking about. And I think that's why Charizard's able to survive and why some of these other decks are able to survive against Moon. And I even think, and this is crazy, but I even think that um, that Mew isn't terrible into Roaring Moon just because you have the ability to Psychic Leap. And take that three prizer right off the board. So if you take the first kill and then they return KO and then you psychic leap your three prizer off, you just win the game. Yeah, I've been looking at the Roaring Moon list and it's like it seems like none of them are playing a one prize attacker. So like yeah, I guess it's like similar to like how Maradon plays in the current format. It's like if you can force them to take a one prize knockout, like you actually probably uh, are okay. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, that's again I guess. Well, I guess they can also use their second attack at the start if they're going to knock out a, like, a non-big Pokemon. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'll be interesting Yeah, the card's to see. cool. The card's really cool. And I think um, I, I that's like my primary archetype that I think has the most potential here going into, um, going into this uh, next era of whatever we're calling standard these days because like it feels like everything's so like VIP pass heavy and, and, uh, and all that stuff. And I like the idea of Roaring Moon kind of just being a turbo like just you're just going off like you're not too worried about keeping up you're the aggressor and i I like that because i think these other decks like guardy like lost box where you're um you're just trying to keep up you miss that turn one of vip you miss that turn one of colris you miss that turn one of mew mysterious tale whatever it is and you're just that much more behind so i like the idea of being the aggressor in this format yeah i agree um i'm trying to think if there's any other like big cards are missing? Maybe we can talk about like how do you think Lost Box is going to do now? So it seems like normal Lost Box hasn't been seeing as much play. It seems like it's been a pivot to Giratina, um, but I could see I could see Lost Box doing okay still. It's like hands isn't like just everywhere. Yeah, I think a lot of them are going to try and do a little bit too much at first. I think I've seen a lot of a lot of Lost Boxes playing like playing hands themselves or whatever, and I'm like, you need double gate for that, or you need gate Raihan attach. It just doesn't seem really that viable um i think the ones that stick to their guns and just say hey i'll take the loss to iron hands will probably do the best uh just because most people it's like one of those like cause and effect things where a lot of people are just assuming everyone plays iron hands and then the iron hands players are assuming nobody's gonna play anything that gets countered to iron hands because it's so like popular and so hyped and i think you end up on the other side of that spectrum where maybe nobody actually plays iron hands 
So I think Lost Box can adapt. I think it's I think it's still going to be around. It, it obviously has received a lot of hate from this new set. There's a lot of cards that really, really um, make its life hard. Like I think of right off the top of my head, I think of Triple Valiant Yoga Loop Turn One. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> Um, and then like obviously hands and there's, there's a few cards around that, that are trouble. Even, I would say even roaring moon can be trouble for, um, for lost box just because they're never going to use their first attack, obviously. And it's a chunky one prizer. It's uh 290 health or sorry, chunky two prizer, 290 health on a basic EX is like, whew, I don't know what's killing that. Yeah. Kind of scary. Yeah. The other one I would look at is what do you think is going to happen with Lugia? Uh, I just think Lugia is just going to be, like, a tier 2 deck. Um, I mean, like, you can play Iron Hands in it. I, I do actually think the Earthen Vessel is actually a great card for it. Like, I would even, like, start thinking about putting Water Energy in the deck, just because, like, Luminion is just such a liability. Like, having the option now to, to uh, Aqua Return, I think, is, is super strong. Uh, I just, I don't know, like, just, like, looking at the top decks, like, yeah, like Charizard X, that, that's a bad matchup. Uh, Roaring Moon is that a bad matchup? Probably not, actually, since you have a lot of one prizers. So. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just like fine. Like I just think it's like how it is in the current format. Like it's just a solid, solid deck. Uh, it's it might have a little bit of issues with Iron Hands just because Lugia and Luminion are weak to Lightning, but I do like that Earthen Vessel gives the gives the deck another card to discard Archaeops. So now if I'm playing I Research, just... like I don't have to just Ultra Ball. Like I can also draw the Vessel. Yeah, I just think or like I feel like Vessel just makes that deck a lot more um what's the word like a lot more crammed like i just feel like there's like if finding that balance between special energies basic energies vessels whatever yeah. else you're going to cut i think is going to be extremely extremely difficult yeah cause like, the list it would be the best like tight. 65 yeah. card sorry go ahead go ahead go ahead sorry. i was just say like i was just say like the list is already kind of tight and like when you're like making your energy decisions like you're already like hey like i already have so many different energies and like i'm already feeling low on some counts so it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't know, like a gift has to probably come out. A jet probably has to come out if you want to start incorporating some of these basic energy. Um, mm -hmm. And then like if you discard the basic energy, like you can't get it back. So I don't know. I, I'm not too bullish on Lugia in this format, um, but I think it'll still be fine. Like if you like playing Lugia, like I think it's still an okay deck to play. I would also agree with that. I think it's an okay deck to play. And I think it would probably be, like, one of the best 65-card decks in the format, but just because yeah. you don't have the space for the vessels and all that stuff, like... And, like, how do you know you're going to have a vessel when you need it? Your turn attachment also has to go to these basic energies now, so it makes retreating a lot more difficult. So even in the case of, like, Iron Hands, where you don't want to put a DTE on it because you need to hit 120, your attachment is going to Iron Hands. So your two, your, both your chops have to also go towards Iron Hands because you can't use a DTE. So you, I think you can get yourself in trouble pretty fast. And I think it gets awkward pretty fast. I saw a few Reggies doing well um, with the emergence of Earth Vessel. Um, there's a few Reggies doing well in Japan. So I think that might be a deck that's more um, suited to take advantage of Earth and Vessel. But I definitely think there is a, a case to be made to play one or two in Lugia. Yeah. I like, yeah, like I think you're saying, it's just, it just feels like Lugia is just becoming even more clunky now once you start putting all this in. Like, the deck already struggles yeah. sometimes to get going, so. I don't know, I'm just worried about its consistency. I just, I think that will keep it pushed into Tier 2. Um, but yeah, it's just solid. If you like, if you're a Lugia player, just, you don't want to switch, keep playing Lugia. Yeah, and I think, I think it's the same thing with Mew players. Um, Mew's on the, on my radar for sure for LASC, just to be uh, looking at what that deck can do. I think with the amount of big basics there are now i think mew can just feast so i think that's another deck that 
that maybe doesn't particularly gain anything, but it doesn't lose anything either, and it just gains a, a more favorable meta, in my opinion, if it can find a way to beat Roaring Moon going first, which, to be honest, I'm not sure if it can, but yeah, that's what uh, testing is for. I mean, you have Maloetta, I guess. I mean, if they can't wait... If, you, if they, like, don't... If they ever knock out a Maloetta, like, the prize trade swings back in your favor, I think. Oh, but no, because then you have to use the really. max. Yeah. Yeah, not really. Yeah, you have to go second in that matchup in, in Maloetta, then. Yeah, you have to get the first two kill, uh, the first two prizes. Otherwise, I don't think you can win. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's that, that's harder than I thought, but yeah, it's still solid. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, you can. S- would you play the Judge Path or would you play the Malawetta? Well, that's that was one of the things I was thinking about. I don't really know which one's better right now. I don't think Judge Path does a whole lot to a lot of these new decks. Um, like I think about like even like Roaring Moon. It's like if you're Judge Pathing. You're effectively letting them back in the game because then they're gonna be able to use the second attack to kill you. Whereas otherwise, if you're not playing down path, they have to do two hundred to themselves, where you can psychic leap and then skew it back into your favor. So, I don't think, at least in that matchup, that judge path is really that relevant. If Lugia goes down, Lost Box goes down, Guardi goes down, like I'm just thinking about like what is the purpose of judge path really? It, like you have you do really well into Zard, obviously you can do well into Pow if you kill the Beebs, but. I think Meloetta might be the best version going forward just because you want to take these, take advantage of having these like big basic EXs on the board going second. And I think that's also what's going to help you like skew back into your favor, like you said, with the prize trade. So I think, yeah, I think Meloetta would be my choice going forward. Um, you, you can obviously like kind of hybrid it a little bit. Like, I know yeah, you can play a one judge, judge, one path. <laughs> yeah, like you can hybrid it. Um, I don't know how effective that really will be, but I like grabbers. I definitely like grabbers. Um, so I'll be, I will be experimenting with that, and I think by the time we get back on next week, we'll have a lot more data to kind of work with once it comes out on live, I believe, on yeah. Friday. Yeah, I think, yeah, once it comes on Friday, I, I plan on just playing tons of games. Uh, I need to, I'll need record some gameplay for my YouTube as well, so if anyone wants to check it out, uh, DM me what decks you think I should play. But, yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to try, like, uh, yeah, i gotta, got to do the promo, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to uh, try them all out. Like, I, I think I'm most excited to try Pal with hands, see how it feels. Um, I got to see if I'm going to keep my current build with like the Pokestop switchers, or if I'm going to like kind of cut some cards and go down to like maybe play Boss instead. Just because a lot of times the switchers are just there to enable the the two prize swings with like the Cologne play or uh, take out Guardi EX, but Iron Hands kind of fixes that a bit. So I'll try that out. Uh, I'm excited to try Iron Valiant. Like, I think the card's super cool. It hasn't done that well yet, but like that's a card I'm really excited to try. Um, and other than that, like I don't know, maybe I'll try that electro deck because I'm kind of curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should try the electro deck so that I don't have to because I really don't want to play that. Yeah, but I, I think if it's, it's cool, bad. yeah, if it's cool, dude, I'm I'm so down to play that for LAIC. But it'll be interesting. I think obviously with all of us who are going, which unfortunately is not as much as I would like because it got capped so low. But yeah, um, I think with everybody going, I think it's gonna be like rapid fire testing obviously for the next couple weeks before most of us i guess would leave midweek um so there's a couple weeks to kind of figure this thing out but uh yeah limitless data is definitely uh, a great asset i think yeah, imagine, if, imagine if limitless didn't exist bro like we were, everyone was just going blind with like not even like an inkling of like what's been what's been going on <laughs> i don't even have to imagine man we lived it yeah, I mean, like, now we have, like, uh, Hagster, like, he lives in Japan, he gives all these updates, but I don't know if you remember, there used to be that guy, like, his name was, like, Asa from, like, Finland, and he used to do his, like, oh, like, Ion Japan thing, like, blogs, like, once every few yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. That yep. was, like, literally yeah, the yeah. only glimpse we ever got into, like, what Japan was doing, so, yeah, it's and cool they were also, the game's global. Yeah, I think they were also two sets ahead of us before, too, right? Yeah, they were one or two. Ah, uh, they might have been two, yeah. It was yeah, farther now, ahead than it is now. 
Yeah, because now we're basically just like lined up with Japan. Like they just got it like this Friday. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's no, it's really cool. I like, I really like how how uh, how things are now. Yeah, it'll be fun. But yeah, I think uh, we can wrap her up for this week. Um, next week we have a, a pretty cool one coming for everybody. We're gonna have a, a guest on. We're gonna try and do this whole uh, this whole video audio thing. So that's gonna be fun. <laughs> um, until then, though, we will uh, keep our eye out on limitless results. Please reach out to us if you have any ideas for what you want to play, what you think would be good, um, anything you would like us to discuss next week. Um, we're always looking for for things that uh, are kind of outlandish that we can't find on the internet to talk about. So. Let us know. Um, until then, everyone be well. Karen, do you have anything to say before we sign off? Not really. Just uh, another good episode. Get testing, man. Get testing. This set's huge. Yeah, get get testing. opening, too. I opened, like, a box and two ETBs, and I got, like, nothing. So keep going. Keep opening or just buy singles because uh, don't buy packs. But, you know. <laughs> All right. Roaring Moon, I think, is 25 Canadian dollars right now. So maybe just wait nice. a week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just wait well, a week. Yeah, last year I had to drop uh, a lot of money to buy all the Lugias right before we left. So I assume I'm going to have to do the same thing this year. Yeah, most likely. (laughs) Save your money, people. See what's good first. We'll see. Anyways, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. Later, everyone.